Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of Believe Podcasts and the Buzz Radio Network. Former Arkansas Razorback baseball player Tyler Spoon. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, highly questionable. Also a two-time Dan Levitard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former head athlete at Cornell Ferris Spain. D1Baseball.com editor Aaron Fitt. And current Razorback freshman star Devo Davis. Mr. Ryan McGee. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. A former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. Former Razorback great and current SEC Network basketball analyst, Pat the Shooter Bradley. Here are your hosts, Kyle Sutherland, Kevin Bohannon, and Porter Hayes. Welcome in to episode 206 of the one and only Hog Talk podcast live from the Heinemann Services Studios. I'm your host, Kyle Sutherland, alongside Porter Hayes. And we thank you, as always, once again for listening, whether you're on 106.7 The Buzz 2 or another platform. We appreciate you coming to hang out with us. And if you are listening on one of the podcast forums, be sure and hit that subscribe button. If you're on Apple, make sure and leave us a written review and a five-star rating. Let us know how we're doing. We would greatly appreciate that the show is brought to you as always by our friends at bet online right now we've got the mlb and the olympics in full swing and they have you covered for all the news scores and odds plus the best part it is free to sign up so sign up on your desktop or mobile device by going to betonline.ag and you will receive 50 percent off your welcome bonus bet online your online sportsbook experts. we got a special guest with us tonight who I'll introduce momentarily, and we're going to talk some things going on. Obviously, it's been a big week in the college football world. And um, in segment two, we're going to be joined by Blake Rafino. He's the host of the Are You Serious Sports podcast. He is a fellow member of the Believe Podcast Network with us. He covers LSU football and a variety of sports for LSU. But for right now, I want to introduce my friend and contributor, to 42 sports they cover a variety of small schools from 2 to 4a here in the great state of arkansas football basketball baseball softball you name it and that is none other than aaron weatherford aaron appreciate you joining us man welcome to the show thanks kyle appreciate you appreciate you letting me come on man and porter what's good with you man i know that you work outside and it's been a pretty sweltering week so far some parts of the state have gotten some rain have you melted away yet yeah it doesn't matter. Once it gets past 89, it's hot. Uh, I think drove by the bank uh, in Springdale and the temperature said hail. So I don't know what that was all about. God, I know, man. It's that, I guess it is that time of year. We had a pretty mild summer for the most part, but I, I still get not as much as I loved playing football. I still get nightmares from back in. I don't even think they're allowed to do two a days anymore, but we still yeah. had those uh, when I was in high school uh, a little while ago. I guess, what was that, 13, 14 years? that I played my last uh, my last season. But uh, I guess there's been a little bit, guys, going on this week uh, in the college football landscape, as I mentioned in the opening there. A uh, little bit, very clear understatement, but it uh, it has been a massive week. It was not, I don't think it's a coincidence that the news that Oklahoma and Texas were trying to come in into the SEC, it's, it was definitely not a coincidence that it happened during SEC media days. There's been talks that as late or as early as March, April, May, sometime around there, that this has really began to catch up, like the, the steam began to pick up that they were talking about this happening. But they waited till the biggest time of the summer to break the news. Obviously, slow time of year other than MLB and, and the Olympics going on right now. But SEC media days has just become a nationwide thing, or at least in SEC country. It's a big-time thing where people take off work to watch and we got the news that Oklahoma and Texas were trying to join the SEC. Guys, I'll be honest with you, and Porter, I told you and, and Kevin and all the guys in our group chat this, that I thought it was a fluke. I thought it was just something to maybe get another headline for the week. I, I thought there was absolutely no way that Texas would be leaving. I didn't think they would leave behind the Longhorn Network. Their complete control of the Big 12, not necessarily in terms of success, but financially with all those boosters and the power that they have in Austin. But I, I, I was stunned at first. I'm as as this has continued to go on, I'm not as shocked as I once was. But 
I think that this is, as we've continued to get deeper into this and I do more research and I think about the possibilities, I think that this is a, a great thing that's going to happen for the college football landscape. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into the rest later. But when I heard the news, it was more of disbelief of just the magnitude of not just Texas, but Texas and OU. It, it was a package deal. They were looking to get rid of, you know, the Big 12. And the biggest thing was just how much controversy Texas has started making their own Longhorn network for the Big 12, how much crap they've done with the horns down, just how much control they've had over that conference. So I'm just wondering what was going on in them meetings that really got them intrigued to, hey, y'all need to break away from the Big 12 and come to the SEC. So I, I know it's money, but to me, there's more than just $15 million extra dollars a year that goes into what's about to happen. And as I've said and as I've heard, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there's been reports of a 20 to 24 mega conference, and there's also been reports of the SEC just becoming their own division. So there's a lot left to be, you know, figured out here and see what's really going on. And, you know, today, as everybody says, you know, Texas OU finally officially filed their divorce papers with the Big 12, and in 2025 they'll be part of the SEC, barring the vote. Yeah, I, you know, I just thought it was really funny uh, when Jimbo Fisher uh, was in, in the middle of his press conference, and that's when um, we saw some of the first, you know, some of the first thunderings that, you know, Texas and Oklahoma had been talking to go to the SEC now for six months. Uh, <laughs> and being a Florida State guy, I thought that was just hilarious because oh, there's a lot of Florida State people down there that don't like Jimbo anymore. Uh, but that, that, was, that was pretty funny to me. And I, I love this, honestly. I'm a big fan of Texas and Oklahoma coming. Um, and I, a lot of hard, Hog fans don't think it'll help them, but I think it'll be tremendous uh, for the conference to hopefully, you know, down the road make a super conference, if that's even uh, in question. Well, one thing that really kind of confused me is, you know, they, they waited until Jimbo was on the stand and it was Texas A&M Day. But come to find out, if this is true, Texas A&M is the one that leaked it out. So that, that's really what made me confused about the whole story is if they're leaking it, why wait till the day that you're on there to, when they're talking about your team? Because, I mean, if you want to be honest, nobody even knows about what happened at SEC media days when it pertains to the SEC. Everybody was talking, and they're still talking about OU Texas. So that's the only thing I was really confused about that. Yeah, I, I was I was pretty much floored at because it's it seems like that A and M I think that the entire nation is making them out to be crybabies and all this stuff because they don't want Texas in. I don't necessarily look at it like that. I don't think that they're scared of them. I don't think that they fear them because you look at Jimbo Fisher's track record compared to what he's done in a short time. At, he was one win away. I know that Alabama blasted him pretty good last year, but he was one win away from a perfect season in what his third year on campus in a coach. COVID year, mind you, and Texas has, and we'll get in, I want to get into some Texas stuff here in a little bit, but you look at what they've done every, outside of 2018, they haven't done anything in over 10 years. And so I don't think that they're scared of Oklahoma. I don't think that they're scared of Texas. It was nothing like that. But the reason why they broke away from the Big 12 initially was because they wanted to be the only one in Texas, the biggest power. And I know Florida might have something to say about this and maybe South Louisiana, but there is no question, I think, in most people's minds that the state of Texas is where it, it, it defines football. Whether you look at high school, whether you look at college, it doesn't matter. And so – they had a plan whenever they left the SEC, and they wanted to be the big dogs there. And so I think that most people are beginning, or a large majority that I've seen, have started to come around to the fact that it has nothing to do with them being scared. And most people that are reasonable knew that that wasn't the reason in the beginning. But I want to go in. We, we talk about the pods. We talk about the, the super conferences and, and what divisions are going to be what and all this stuff. I think the most common one that I've seen is – I think it's Arkansas, Mizzou, Oklahoma, and Texas, or either Texas, Arkansas, Mizzou, Texas A&M. There's been a couple in there. But outside of uh, – on Tuesday morning when the news broke that, that Texas and Oklahoma officially plan to enter the SEC by 2025, I guess it was July 1st, 2025 – Outside of Otis Kirk of WholeHogSports.com, I have not really seen anybody publicly mention much about recruiting. And I know, Porter, we've talked about this a little bit once we started hearing the rumors of this happening, but 
I personally don't think that it's going to matter in that in that regard. Even though Texas has has not been that great outside of that 2018 Sugar Bowl, they've still recruited, excluding whenever Tom Herman got fired this year. I think they had the 15th recruiting class for 21. But they've still had top five, top ten classes. They just haven't really had that great of coaching. I don't really think that Tom Herman was an awful coach. He just really – I think it was more so the culture. You know, you guys knew, know that I lived right outside of Austin, about an hour outside of Austin – and it is not just being a football coach that is your job. You have to deal with so much media. It is more so than just about any job in the country with the things that you have to do in Austin, things you have to be involved in off the field with with various booster stuff. And it's it's a whole ordeal. And I don't think that he did a really good job of that, of, of handling that stuff off of the field. I, don't, I really don't think that he failed because he wasn't a good football coach. That's just my personal opinion. But – Obviously, we know what our OU does in recruiting. Typically, they're going to get who they want. Now, we got a chance to get Gentry Williams, the top recruit out of Oklahoma for 22. We got a really good shot at him. I still think OU might get him. But in terms of recruiting, I really don't think that it's going to hurt us that bad. A, because we, we haven't focused as much on Texas lately. We have been focusing on Oklahoma, and we've gotten some good guys out of there. But we focused a lot on Georgia particularly that's the state that Sam Pittman has hit really hard. And I just don't think, just because of what OU has done in recruiting, what Texas has done in recruiting over the years, I just don't think that that's going to affect it whether they join or not. What helps is the state of the football program Texas is in. If Texas was on the same level as OU, then I'd be worried. Because if Texas was going to CFB every other year, they were swapping with uh, OU going to the playoffs every year, they would be a different story. But we've seen what they've done the past 10 years. And when I first heard about it, I was like, man, it's going to be horrible for Arkansas because you want to automatically go to what Texas A&M and Missouri did when they come in and how they've struggled to beat those teams. But I'm, that's why I'm kind of glad we've done the pod today instead of the day after because you always have that initial reaction that, you know, you get irrational and you just really think without even really thinking about it, you speak. Now that I've had time to think about it, I told you, Kyle, I compare – the Texas and OU to Auburn and Alabama. If they ship them to the east, Texas is at Auburn. That's somebody who Arkansas immediately will be able to compete with year in and year out. OU is going to be more like the Alabama. And that goes, like you said, with the recruiting. We can recruit with Texas. I mean, Sam Pittman's already proved that he can, you know, in one year dramatically improve his recruiting. But OU is going to get those guys that Alabama gets. If they're wanting to go to OU, they're going to go there anyway, no matter where they're at in the Tulsa. Because that was my biggest concern is, is OU comes in the SEC. Now does that hurt that Tulsa pipeline that Nick Pittman's starting to tap into and really hurt that recruiting there? But then I got to thinking about it. I was like, no, you know, they're going to get nationally, and whoever wants to go to OU, they're already going to go. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. You know, I don't think this will hurt. Arkansas is recruiting too much. I think, you know, like you guys said, Sam Pittman has done a good job of going down to Texas and pulling out some really good players in Oklahoma as well. I think this could really hurt Texas A&M's recruiting. You know, we talk about how good Jimbo Fisher is on the recruiting trail, but like Porter said, like you said, Porter, um, depending on what Texas looks like for the next couple of years, I mean, Texas, you know, Steve Sarkeesian could turn that thing around, and if they get back to where they were in 05, to about you know oh nine before Mac Brown left, uh, it could be deadly for A and M. Yeah, no question. I complete. I was actually going to bring up that point next. Is is as as much progress as they have made. Texas A and M recruited well un, under Kevin Sumlin, but well as in like top fifteen, top twenty classes. Jimbo's reeling in top three, top five, consistently year in and year out, and that's essentially Aaron you could probably say more about this than me I think he did pretty much that same thing or at least top 10 at Florida State national championship coach had all kinds of great players had a Heisman Trophy winner but you look at the successes and I think that you look at college football and, and this speaks for itself you've got Clemson and Alabama right up there at the top I know LSU had one of the most historically great teams in 2019 but over the last five, six, seven years, it has really been Alabama and Clemson for the most part in a class by themselves. And I think that you could you could put OU in that top five. And Georgia would be in there some years as well because they've made the college football playoff a couple of times. But it's it's going to bring some great competition having both OU and Texas from Denver, just like we were talking about on the recruiting trail and also on the field. But you look at OU – 
and they're 0-4 in the playoffs. So it's like they do great, and it's typical that they'll win, I think, what is it, like five or six? Um, I think they've got like 12, 11 or 12 regular season Big 12 championships. But in terms of uh, actually in the Big 12 title game, I think they're at like five or six in a row. But then they get past, and they're always good for at least one bad loss, whether it's Kansas State or Iowa State, which Iowa State's definitely made their progress. But you get to the college football playoff, they're 0-4. And outside of that Georgia game in the Rose Bowl with Baker Mayfield, they, that was 54-48. They got blasted by Clemson on their first trip. Now, they did lose 45-34 to to Bama in 2000. I think that was 2018 season, 2019 playoff. But it was 31-10 to at half. So it was only an 11-point game in the end. But, that again, 31-10 to at the half. And then 63-28 to against LSU the year that LSU won the national championship. So it seems like that once they get to the postseason and they start start playing the top dogs, that they're just not right there. And I think more so it is defense. They just seem to be extremely cursed defensively. Lincoln Riley's got it figured out on offense, it seems, he with what he's done with all these number one quarterbacks, all these Heismans. And then you look at Texas. Their last Big 12 championship, their last Big 12 division title was in 2009. And since then, they just have the aforementioned 2018 Sugar Bowl. Nothing. 78 and 60. So from 2010 to through this this past year, they're 78 and 60, 52 and 45 in conference. Now, that's not bad by any means. Arkansas fans would kill for that. But you look at the way that Texas beats their chest, and they haven't even had – they've had one national championship in 50 years. And so they don't bring quite what OU brings from a success standpoint, but I just think that there's too many people looking at the facts of, like, there's some Razorback fans that are talking a little bit too big, and it's it seems like the, a lot of the bottom feeders, and I'm sorry, Razorback fans, we still are one of the bottom feeders of the SEC right now. I think we're on our way back up. But it's the bottom feeders that are typically talking the most trash, at least on social media. I guess that's the way it's going to be. But I say all that to say that I think that there is going to be some great competition brought on the field, especially from OU, what they've done. But they're definitely going to have a tough road ahead because these (laughs) SEC schedules are brutal. I'm not trying to be the SEC, SEC guy, but there is just no question that is the most brutal schedule in college football. Yeah, like you were saying earlier about Lincoln Riley, uh, I think we're really going to find out um, what type of coach he is now that he's going to try and be in the SEC. A lot of, like you said, a lot of people have really, you know, ha- put a hack on him because of his defensive uh, teams that he's had in the past and, you know, his prolific offenses. Now, I do think they're going to have a pretty good defense this year. They're bringing back a lot of starters that have been there for at least two years. Um, but like I said, who knows if those same guys will be here uh, by the time they're in uh, by the time they're in the SEC. And then back to Jimbo Fisher, uh, back when he was at Florida State, you know, those last couple of years there, they actually finished uh, below the top 25 in recruiting. And that's really, really kind of what uh, kind of what got Florida State fans uh, wanting him out of there and kind of why he probably took the 75 mil to go to A&M. Um, so that could be – I'm not saying it's going to happen, but uh, like I said, Texas, if Texas uh, starts to improve their game and, you know, becomes on back on the national level here – Within the next couple of years, uh, Jimbo could be headed to a similar situation in the college station. Yeah, if Texas has a plan like Clemson did, you know, when your recruiting starts catching up, where Florida State was the king of the ACC, and then Dabo comes in and he starts with Venables and Elliott and his crew, they started recruiting at a high high level, and it really kind of took all those guys out of Florida. Same thing can happen to Texas, you know, but – yeah, Texas, they beat their chest. They think that – I mean, look at Notre Dame. They, they're in the same level. I mean, they haven't been relevant in a long time, Notre Dame. They still have that brand, and, and they still drive in money. They still drive in revenue, and people still watch them. So that's the biggest thing when we talk about a business as, aspect of it. Dallas Cowboys is the same way. You know, they can't make the playoffs. They're 8-8. Eight and eight. They're 9-7. and seven, but Easy. What? <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I'm getting at is Jerry Jones still has them as the number one brand in all of professional sports. So it, in, in the SEC's eyes and Greg Sankey, to me, it's like, well, as long as you stay where you're still relevant, you've got your national brand and you're bringing money to the SEC, well, it doesn't matter what you do on the football field because they're just they're not that 10-2, type of season like OU is. Now, OU, that kind of brought me up when we had J.J. Matters on. 
when they trans- transitioned to the SEC, you know, he told us, he said it took them a year or two just to get used to the style of SEC play of where the defense is. And I think that's going to be the biggest struggle for OU is, you know, they're getting 70 and 60 points put on on a weekly basis to like Baylor. They're just hoping to outscore people. Well, when you go up against NFL-type defenses week in and week out, it, it can really set them back. So they're really going to have to get their defense step up. The good thing on Texas OU is now they're getting a three- to four-year head start on recruiting to get ready. They're, you're going to see them starting to recruit SEC-type players for the transition. Yeah, and I'll tell you, man, I, there's a lot of – and I've, I, I just kind of dogged Texas there for a little bit, but – I'm a big believer in Sark. That guy is just on a next level offensively right now. I'd say Lane Kiffin's probably the best play caller in the country right now, at least in terms of a head coach. But if Sark can get that stuff down, like the back-end stuff that I was talking about earlier off off the field that you have to do that comes with being the Texas head coach, I tell you guys, he was a pretty decent coach at Washington before he went downhill with his personal life. So there, like, like you talked about, you know, you touched on what could possibly happen with Texas A and M, and what could happen with Texas trending up with what they do on their recruiting trail, and it could be pretty brutal, uh, at least for the rest of the teams in the SEC. And then you look at OU, like I said, you know, Porter, you talked about them defensively, and I, I touched on it earlier. Alex Grinch is a great defensive coordinator, and I think that he's going to continue to help them improve. But they went from like the '80s or '90s. I'm, I'm totally going just off the top of my head here, like it could be completely inaccurate, but I want to say they were like anywhere from the seventies to eighties, the right before he got there. And then they went from like that to the thirties or forties. So not awful, but they're definitely going to have to have some better defense to match what they're going to have with Spencer Rattler and all these other offensive weapons that they have. And so, it's going to be an uphill climb, but you know that's what makes it. That's why we love the SEC type and atmosphere, environments, and games because it is that you just never know. Uh, it's like that in sports in general, but it's just there's. I think about just last year. Now it was a unique time, unique year, but there's so many different times that you just have no idea. And I think that Arkansas finally could get one be one of those teams that just any given Sunday or in this case any given Saturday could get that win that we're not expected to and with all all these teams coming in you know you look at OU and you look at at Texas coming in and then we talk about possibly Ohio State and Michigan or all these other schools it's just going to amp up that intensity even more yeah and in Arkansas's aspect of it, just same goes what I just said about OU you know Pittman's got four or five years to really really hit his recruiting ground hard and get him and Odom and Browse, and that's going to be a key. I think there's going to be a lot of more pressure to keep Odom and Browse now, knowing that you've got competition like OU and Texas, especially if you might be potted up against them. Uh, Clay Henry was talking on the morning that that's what he's hearing is more of a pod style opposed to, you know, divisions. So you know how the SEC treats – Arkansas, that's probably going to be OU, Texas, Texas A&M, and Arkansas. So, you know, it's going to be brutal no matter what. I wish they would kind of even it up, and they might, you know, have two powerhouses and then two lesser teams. But, you know, you know they're not going to put, like, Missouri, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State in one pot. That's just not going to happen. So I could see more of a maybe an Arkansas, Missouri, LSU, and Ole Miss type or whatever, but – there's a good chance it could be Arkansas, OU, Texas, and Texas A&M all in one group. So, you know, Pittman's got his, you know, he's got his hands full trying to get ready for this new transition. And you never know what other teams come in. But the only good thing is, is about football is the main thing that we're keyed on. Well, let's look at the other sports and the, we can get in that when the seasons get closer. But football is the only one we got to worry about. Basketball, they're set. Baseball, they're set. Women's basketball, they're set. You know, you got Texas OU coming in. OU softball coming in and playing against, you know, Courtney Diefel every year. That's going to be a battle between OU and Alabama playing the SEC every year. So it's going to be fun. I think how we all reacted is everything happened so fast within a day. We didn't know how to grasp what was really going on, and we're trying to just make sense of it. Now, you know, I said earlier in the podcast, now that we're able to kind of sit back and really we got clarity on it yeah i'm just wondering if they do bring ohio state and michigan and they get this massive super conference what like is it still going to be called the sec you think so because of the brand but what do you i don't know that's go to their own division 
I mean, yeah. if they go to their own division and they split from the NCAA, there's no telling what they're going to name it. Yeah. And that's the only thing I could see is if OU, Clemson, all these big brands, Florida State comes in and they make a big division, that's the only way Ohio State's going to come in because – like I said, there's got to be something going on with Texas and OU wanting to come to the SEC. I just I don't see Ohio State and Michigan bowing down to the SEC and joining them. No, Ohio State. I don't think they would do that at all. Um, you know, they they own the Big Ten. I think they will for another couple of years. Um, you know, with Michigan being down, uh, if and you know whether or not James Franklin can ever get the job done up there, but you know. Uh, a super conference like that, I don't know if I would have liked that. Um, but, I mean, it, it could definitely be in the works. Uh, but that's something, you know, that's way down the road, I think. I think right now, though, is uh, the main focus is Texas OU. Uh, and me personally, um, I would love it if Texas A&M got in the SEC because, you know, I'm 21 years old and I didn't really get to experience the Texas rivalry back then. I know the only game that I really, you know, got close to that type of feeling was when we beat them in 2014 in uh, – Houston so uh yeah that'd be something you know I'd love to you know re reinvigorate pretty much yeah you missed a great one particularly in 2003 when we went to that that 2003 team was so good but we let a few off we got you could say screw some people would say screwed in a couple of games I would really call it more so just some bad calls there at the end because there was plenty of opportunity particularly the Auburn game and then everybody remembers the 03 floor the 03 and 09 Florida games We'll go down Ooh. in infamy. I was just the Florida game. Oh, uh, so brutal. Yeah, that 03 team, the amount of talent. that uh, You got two Hall of Well, actually, two possible could have been Hall of Famers. You had Jason Peters at tight end that's going to be an, a Hall of Fame left tackle. And Sean Andrews, if he wouldn't have gotten hurt and dealt with all those issues in the NFL, he probably would have ended up being a Hall of Famer. And then Matt Jones, of course, ended up being a first-round pick at wide receiver. And, yeah, all kinds of talent on that team, but a lot of – lost opportunities but as this continues to go on we didn't want to get too incredibly deep into this because there's going to be so many more details right now since we're only doing one show a week there is no telling how much is going to come out from now until next wednesday and so before we get out of here uh, we will be as we get into august here and we get closer to the football season we'll be doing a a few high school previews and aaron's going to help us out with some of those and so aaron before we get off i'll uh go to the next segment I'll kind of let you t- uh, give you the floor and, and tell everyone what you do with 42 sports. And I, I want to know, so the 3A, it's it's probably going to be Harding Academy again. I think that most people would agree with that. I know, well, I know Prescott and McGee might have something to say about that. They, they got a lot of talent coming back, but Harding Academy just ran through the playoffs pretty much last year. And they've got a lot of uh, sophomores and juniors from that team that are coming back. And then in 4A, pretty sa- similar situation with Shiloh. And there's also a good bit of talent there at Warren. There's a few other schools. But I think most of the people would agree with Hootens that, you know, in the 4A, you've got Shiloh at the top. Then uh, Prescott, they actually have it number one. I personally have Harding Academy. And then 2A, Desark, who was the state runner-up last year. So go ahead and kind of tell everybody what you do with 42 sports and then uh, just give your preseason favorites as of now. We'll do that little teaser before we get into more details here next month. So, yeah, if you're not already already following 42 Sports, it's a uh, sports media outlet on Facebook. Um, it's been going now for about, I would say, five years. Um, the actual creator of 42 Sports was Alan Russell. Um, good guy. Uh, but like, I, like you were talking about, um, starting with 3A, um, I do believe Harding Academy pulls out their third straight title this season. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of guys coming. They lost a lot of guys, uh, but they're also reloading pretty much. Um, starting, you know, like I, like we, Cabo mentioned uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, baseball commit, uh, Cade Smith will probably be their quarterback after uh, Caden Sipe left. Uh, down in 2A, uh, like you were talking about too, Desark and Fordyce, I think, have those top two spots. Uh, but right now, you know, I've seen Desark at a couple of team camps and they look really solid. I have not seen Fordyce, unfortunately, but um, you know, they're just going to reload with talent down there as well, just like they have the past couple of years. You know, they could also be another team making a three-peat. Uh, and then in the 4A, uh, I think, you know, 3A and 4A are going to be dominated by the private schools, which isn't a bad thing. A lot of people in high school football, well, it's a private school. Well, oh, well, you know, you got to figure out how to beat them. They go outside of the state, and people find out find out a way how to beat them. So they're they're not unbeatable. Uh, but like you like you were talking about, I think Shiloh Christian 
uh, is the favorite to win Class 4A. I know Hooten's had him ranked number one. Uh, we actually are releasing our uh, 42 sports preseason rankings on Thursday and Friday for classes uh, 4A on Thursday and Class 3A on Tuesday, or Class 3A on Friday. And then next week we'll be releasing our Class 2A. And actually we'll, we'll have, we're also doing eight-man football, uh, which is you know, a growing sport in the uh, southern part of the state with a lot of these schools, you know, losing a lot of depth uh, with their football teams and trying to keep that alive. Um, but, yeah, it's this is going to be an interesting year of football, I think, uh, in, especially in 2A. I think 2A could potentially be wide open. Uh, there's a lot of schools in Class 2A that, you know, people have mentioned, uh, including Poen. Uh, Big Low is another team that could be uh, right back where they were last year. You know, they were the Cinderella team from a year ago going 0-10 in uh, 2019, you know, winning 12 games uh, last year, tying, I think, the uh, school record. Uh, but, yeah, this is going to be a really fun football season. Uh, if you want to, you know, learn more about, you know, 4A all the way down to even 1A when basketball and baseball seasons are here, uh, 42 sports is uh, where to go. Yeah, definitely. You can catch them on Facebook. they got a massive following and, and post a lot of great stuff and, and tons of information. And I also left out I, – I didn't include Stuttgart in that 4A as well. I know that uh, they've got a lot coming back as well. And like yeah, you said, Hardy – it's in Stuttgart. Yeah, Stuttgart is – Running backs that killed yeah. over class. Yeah, year. They, they've they got a lot of sophomores and juniors too. And Harding Academy, they did lose – like you said, uh, Aaron, they lost Caden Sipe, and they also lost Ty Duggar, which, God, those two put on a show in the state championship. But they've got a lot of offensive and defensive linemen. So that's what I was meaning by junior, sophomores and juniors, a lot of linemen. And so, uh, yeah, Neil Evans has done a, a great job there. And I'll tell you, in the 2A, though – I hope Desark wins. Uh, I really like B.J. Pascal a lot. Great guy. And th- that's just one of those they, – they had a great article in Hooten's about him and that town. And and they've been close a couple of times. And, man, the I'll say I, I've watched a lot of football in my life, and I think that was maybe one of the best, at least toughest performances from Luke Morton. Uh, for you guys that don't know, Luke Morton was the quarterback for Desark, and he, he like, broke his elbow or dislocated it or something – in the semifinal or in the quarterfinals and the doctors cleared him the Thursday before the semifinal game against Junction City he played they won and then he had a, a really good performance in the state championship too like literally with his arm just completely wrapped up it wasn't his throwing arm but nonetheless to play with that kind of injury that just leaving it all on the field like that and these guys are, are suiting up like you know, a lot of these small schools they, they don't have big teams but I, I think they played with like 22 or 23 guys they, they didn't have a lot but still a very talented team and so like i said we'll have uh we'll have plenty of um plenty of coverage here uh, as we go forward into august but uh aaron i think you got something else and then uh, we'll close it out here yeah you know you can't you can't forget about clarendon either clarendon got uh they have yeah. Razorback Committee, Quincy Hackadoo, yeah. and they just uh, they just had Dax Courtney, who uh, whose dad is actually now the head coach over at Clarendon, join the uh, staff over there. And Desark and Clarendon, uh, same conference, six two A, most likely conference title contenders and po- possibly uh, state con- state title contenders as well. Definitely, I, I forgot all about them. I know that they didn't. I, I, I'm not sure how they were last year. They, did they make the playoffs I, with Quincy? They he did some good things, but did they get in last year? Yeah, they actually went to Fordyce uh, in the second round. They that's right Fordyce twice last year and just got throttled. But uh, it could be a really, I think, really different story this year. That's right. You, you might you might have mentioned that my headphones were like messing up on me there, but yeah, I, I couldn't remember what kind of season they had. But adding Dax Courtney definitely makes a difference two Razorback commits on that team so well guys we are up against a break up next we have Blake Rafino from are you serious sports network stay with us you're listening to the hog talk podcast part of the believe podcast and the buzz radio network with American National you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle call us today for a free review of your commercial home and auto policies or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com. Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. 
From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. Tackle your to-do list without breaking your back or getting your hands dirty by calling Heinemann Services. Located in Northwest Arkansas, Heinemann Services is your premier company to get those projects done that you've been putting off. Whether small remodels, lawn care, carpentry, and much more, they take care of you in a timely manner with exceptional customer service. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. We're back on episode 206 of the Hog Talk Podcast. Kyle Sutherland here with you, and we now go to the Workman's Travel Center hotline where we are joined by Blake Rafino of RU Serious Sports, the host of the RU Serious Sports Podcast, a fellow member of the Believe Podcast Network with us. Blake, I know that I was on your show a couple of weeks ago, and it's good to have you on here. We'll talk a little of, uh, LSU football, which I know some fans might uh, not be too excited about that, but once you get into it, I know they'll <laughs> they'll be glad to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, Kyle. You know, we were supposed to do the home and homes much sooner than what we're doing it now, but you know, we had the uh, the the sponsor who paid for us to do the draft and the NFL draft, and so it's like last minute. And you know, last year we had so much fun, and then this year, last year uh, or two years ago, Facebook uh, deleted our Facebook page, which was our main thing because apparently you can't talk about a game when the game's going or talk about something like that. So they took us down and then, so, you know, if I was going to do it again, I was going to get sponsored by it, you know, I was going to try to make some kind of money. And so it was fun. And so now I'm glad we're, we're here and look 41 days until SEC or at least LSU football kickoff. I know that we have an SEC team playing that Thursday, but 41 days. So not too, not, I mean, almost here, man. So I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about it until then. Well, and we'll go ahead and cut straight to the chase. So outside of all of the rumors about the SEC expansion with Texas and Oklahoma, and there's been more teams mentioned as the days have gone by, but I think one of the biggest questions in the SEC right now is the LSU Tigers. There's some that are very high on them. There's some that are saying that they're going to do about what they did last year or possibly worse. And then you've also got the off-field stuff. So there is a lot of stuff going on in Baton Rouge right now. And it's I think it's natural for the outside world to take a look at the headlines, the news lines, whatever, and run with them, whether it be about Coach O, whether it's about Darius Geis. You can name a bunch of various Mm -hmm. things. But as someone like yourself who covers them pretty exclusively, you keep up with them on a day-to-day basis. In regards to Coach O and all this stuff, you know, I want to focus on him first. You know, what do you think about what's going on there? There's things, plenty of things people have said about Will Wade, you know, even now to this day, Mm -hmm. but as far as Coach O is concerned, what, what do you think about all of that situation? Do you think that he is innocent? So let me say this because when I well, what I'm about to say from a, another fan's perspective, and even from some LSU fans' perspective, there's a general belief that when I say what I'm about to say is that number one that I'm an LSU homer, and that could be to some extent. I mean, look, we we make a living by doing a LSU show, an LSU podcast. So yeah, maybe a little bit of it. But I, I, Kyle, I, I'm of the person, and, and my catch line has been in all of this due process. Wait for everything to come out. Wait for everything to happen before we can make a logical decision. So not to bore your listeners about it, but to just talk about it very quickly. There was a, a lawsuit by Sharon Lewis, who we know very well, who was a part of LSU's uh, athletic administration, and she was even there when Les Miles was the head coach. I thought it was interesting when she sued LSU for $50 million, she did not name Ed Orgeron in her civil Title IX lawsuit. Now, with all of this being said, so many different things. Now, Darius Geis being one of them, everybody remembers or has heard or read the Darius Geis incident with the lady in the Superdome, the security guard Gloria Scott inside the Superdome. Well, we also now have audio that was released from LSU about, three months ago that she tried to extort not only LSU, but Ed Orgeron and wanted him to pay her money because she said that she ran with Darius Geis. The interesting connection there was Miss Gloria Scott, the defendant, said that she spoke with Sharon Lewis, the individual who is now suing LSU for $50 million, that she spoke with Sharon Lewis, and now she wants her money. 
So we have a crime that was committed by Gloria Scott in an extortion, and nobody talks about it. Brooks Cabina, who's leaving to go, uh, who covered LSU at, with the Advocate, and I, look, we've gone back and forth. We know that it's not it's not a love hate relation. It is a love hate relationship, but he's leaving Baton Rouge to go cover the Houston Texans. I've said this to him. I've said it to him on Twitter. I've said it to him to his face. There has been incidents where they cover Ed Orgeron. So I say all this to say. They've said things about Ed Orgeron, asked questions about Ed Orgeron, but completely don't put the other side of the story out for the media and out for the or from the media and from the fans and the people to read it. It was LSU from WBRZ, a local TV channel that published the audio that was released. So, Kyle, we have all of this stuff on Ed, but we have audio that says that Ed's innocent in reference to Gloria Scott and that he never spoke with her. In the Hush Blackwell report, she says that she dropped her phone while cooking in, in, in some red beans while cooking, and then she couldn't hear after. Now, Ed Orgeron, if you spoke with Ed Orgeron, Orgeron, Kyle, I'm pretty sure you knew that you spoke to Ed Orgeron, right? Like his voice isn't something that you just forget. I mean, everybody makes fun of it. So how do you forget that you spoke with Ed Orgeron? The latest thing and what Ed was then added after the fact. So after so many people in the media freaked out that Ed Orgeron wasn't in the civil lawsuit, they put him in the civil lawsuit in the extent of there was a player who was a walk on who said that his his girlfriend was sexually assaulted by Darius Geis. He said that he spoke with Ed Orgeron, and he told Ed Orgeron about it. Now, we don't know the time frame of when this happened in 2016. Why that's very key, Kyle, is the simple fact that in 2016, that's when Les Miles was still the head coach and then was fired after losing to Auburn. So we don't know who the head coach did. Ed Orgeron says that he that that conversation never happened, that he never heard it from anybody, and that there was never a criminal uh, case on this. So this is something that's been very interesting to me. Uh, following now, we got to get on the field, right? Now going on to the field, going five and five, yeah, that's one thing. You know, is do you give Ed a little bit of a break coming after 2019 and then winning a national title? I think that winning covers a multitude of sins, and I hate to say it like that because of the Title IX implications of this, but what I will say is is that if LSU goes out and starts winning again, I think that there will be a different uh, framework of how people view Ed uh, in the future. Well, and that was what I was going to go to next. I mean, you broke that down, I think, extremely well. That uh, told a lot of things that a lot of people don't know because you don't see that stuff on Twitter. You don't really see that stuff on Facebook. You really have to go and, and read and research to, to find it yourself. And so I appreciate that breakdown there. But, uh, Blake, I want to touch on 2020. And so in regards to last year, you know, like you kind of mentioned a couple of things there. But I think most would agree losing guys like Dave Aranda, like Joe Brady, guys that are of that caliber, having them at coordinator it's going to be tough to replace them. But what what do you think it was? Do you think it might have been – because LSU's always got talent. It doesn't matter if it's experienced or not. They had plenty of talent on that team. But do you think it was lack of experience, possibly some concerns of the -the off-the-field issues there? What was it that really just held LSU back in 2020? I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think guys not knowing how to communicate man-to-man coverage is one of them. I mean, look, does Derek, does, do you really think that Derek Stingley forgot how to line up in man-to-man coverage if they're not trying to do something? I mean, look what he did in 2019. I think Bo Pelini at the end was an issue. Um, look, I thought that their defense came on. Look at Florida. Look at Arkansas. Look at A&M exclusively. When you can't move the football and then you're only holding them to 20 points after having an interception on the one yard, your own one-yard line, I think the defense showed, and if you go back and watch it, they play really well down the stretch. Now, Ole Miss is one thing. People will look at the stats. They'll look at the score sheet, but they won't you know, look at LSU had five interceptions uh, against Ole Miss. They had two interceptions against Florida. So seven interceptions, Kyle, in back-to-back weeks. I thought that the team, with all the distractions out, Eric Gilbert, Terrace Marshall, a lot of guys that left and opted out, um, you saw what that, what happened when those guys were gone and you saw the younger guys step up. Uh, on the off-the-field issues, you know, there was a, you know, our country, and I'm not getting political um, at all because I'm not, I'm just not going to bring sports into that realm. Um, there was just a lot of things that happened off the field. I think some a former player that's on ESPN um, that played defensive back, I'll leave it there, did some things, okay, 
and said some things to some guys because his son wasn't recruited and didn't sign with LSU. At the end of the day, Ryan Clark, who's the individual who works for ESPN, tried to divide because his son Jordan's playing at Arizona State, who's now going through, guess what, recruiting violations. They He wasn't at LSU, and LSU didn't offer him. So there was a lot of things off the field. I think when this team finally got focused – now, it was a kind of a viral tweet there that I put at, at Florida – I was when I was kind of hearing some things during the week on that Florida game. I think they were tired of the BS and they got pissed off. And you have a team that's got a lot of talent that's extremely pissed off. Now, I think that you had COVID not being able to, you know, and here's another thing. Think about this. Think about not going through a spring and a fall camp that you normally would be able to. Uh, I think that that just every combination going through is what affected LSU. And I thought that they played better down the stretch. Uh, stats, wins uh, show that. Um, so we'll see. I think that, look, you return 83% of your, uh, your production on offense. You return 97% of production on the defensive side. That's number one on defense in the SEC. I think that this team is going to have a lot of experience, a lot of young talent, and I, I think they're definitely going to bounce back uh, this year. We're talking with Blake Rafino from the RU Serious Sports Network and the RU, RU Serious Sports Network podcast. And Blake, I wanted to ask you about the Battle of the Boot. Now, I got to bring this part up because, you know, it is the yeah. trophy that we play for. And there is a lot of Arkansas fans that believe that this is a true rivalry. And I am not really one of those. Maybe when I was younger, I, I felt like it was more so. I, I guess mm-hmm. uh, that both sides felt the same about each other is what I'm trying to say. But let's look at the facts. LSU leads the series 17-8. to eight. They're on a five-game winning streak right now. You guys are typically at or near the level of LSU and or I'm sorry, of Alabama in most years. And we all know what Alabama is. And I say that to say that you, pretty much you guys are the two teams that are usually near the top of the SEC West most of the time. And – would you personally and the people that you associate with that are LSU fans or LSU media members, would you really look at this as a true rivalry? You know, you won't hurt my feelings. Um, well, yeah, I might hurt your fan, you know, Arkansas fans feelings. So I got to be careful with this one, <laughs> but no, not real. You know, yes and no. I, I think that when you had Darren McFadden, you had Peyton Hillis, other guys, you winning it sometimes in that series, you know, less miles after losing to Alabama and those teams, they, you know, I, I felt like it was more of a rivalry. There's not that hate there, right, Kyle? Like, there's just not that, you know. So, for an example, I, you know, our good friend Jay Boyd, for example, he, you know, we've had the argument. I went to the studio, we we're having the argument is Alabama and Auburn a bigger rivalry than LSU and Alabama right now? I think, in my personal opinion, I think that LSU and Alabama is the biggest rivalry in college sports. Here's why. Because you can't tell me that you've had four games of the century. Now, Alabama, no, technically it being tied two to two in the games of the century, I think that that's what LSU focuses on. I think that because of the fact that LSU has won three national titles, they went to a fourth and could have beat Alabama. Their goal is set on something different. You know, I remember a coach telling me one time, does a lion ever worry about the fly? And I don't mean that Arkansas is the fly here, but what I'm saying is is that LSU is so focused on on different things that I think Arkansas is just not focused on. You know, for example, if Sam Pittman wins six games this year or finds a way to win seven games this year, that's a hell of a season, right? LSU goes seven and five and Ed Orgeron's fired. Okay, so <laughs> I think that there's just a different a, a different aspect here of maybe because that 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 there's not a rivalry. And here's another thing too um, that I think that would spark the rivalry more if it were to happen is that LSU and Arkansas aren't battling for the same re- recruits historically. Maybe some Northern Louisiana guys, maybe they will get in a battle. You know, they're battling for Will Campbell, good friend of mine, Cody Kennedy, uh, who I played with at Southeastern New O-line coaches. You guys know. I mean, look, they're after Will Campbell. They're not going to be able to flip him. But Sam Pittman, maybe they can get in some of those rivalries there. But that's where it technically starts. You know, the the, the Nick Saban thing with LSU, the Nick Saban thing with, with recruiting in the state of Louisiana, Ed, a Louisiana guy locking the state down, that's what makes it more different than just on the field. Because the truth is you only play 60 minutes. But this rivalry lasts the entire year. Because historically, LSU beats the dog manure. I don't know if I can curse, but uh, the dog manure in basketball, they beat the absolute crap 
and so do you guys in baseball. Beat the crap out of them in baseball. So it doesn't really matter. I think the only – and here's the crazy thing too, Kyle, is that there's not really that rivalry in, foot, in baseball where you would think, you know, you got two premier programs that are battling it out. I mean, no, not really. Now, you know, some fan, some fans feel as if that – Arkansas is just the game that always gives them the here's a and he, but here's the crazy thing is that Arkansas historically has given LSU more issues uh, outside of Alabama than anybody else. I mean, usually LSU plays Arkansas right after Alabama. It's usually a slugfest. It's usually as cold as hell. How you guys are live in the South, but it's always cold as hell in Arkansas. I have no idea. It's not cold anywhere else, but Arkansas, it's something about the cold, the cold there. It just makes it different. Um, I remember going up there one time and man, I, I swear to God, I was never going back. And then I saw all these ducks flying and I'm like, all right, I'll be back, you know? So big, you know, just for some duck hunting, but no, not uh, it's a long extended answer, but no, not really, because I think since the focus is everything on Alabama 24 seven from a Louisiana fans perspective, I think that's why that rivalry and it could be different up north because of, you know, you have an Arkansas fans, but, you know, in Baton Rouge, New Orleans. No, not not even close. No, I tend to agree with you. I think that's a great point. You, I liked the lion and the fly analogy that you used because that's the people can get mad. There's probably going to be some people that are a little upset at that, but there, there's no, uh, there's no fiction in it. You, like you said, if Ed Orgeron has the the type of season that we would consider a success, six and six or or seven and five, whatever the case may be, there, then he's gone. But we are going to be doing cartwheels, as Steve Spurrier once said. Uh, I remember at SEC Media Days, he had talked about how uh, they're doing cartwheels in Fayetteville right now over seven six season. After what we have endured, we thought at that time that we had been on hard times, but we had not seen anything compared to what we saw in Bielema's last year and the two years under under Chad Morris that were just a complete debacle. And so, Blake, before we get out of here, I want to All ask right. you. I want to ask you this question sort of building on to some of the points that you made about Sam Pittman and Cody Kennedy. This is a on paper, one of the best, at least as far as coordinator standpoint, when you look at art brawls, you look at Barry Odom, this up there with, with, I mean, I think you could say, I don't know to say the best in the country, but it's up there. Barry Odom, who has proven that he can be a head coach. He wasn't like ultra successful at Missouri, but still did a pretty good job. Art Bryles calls plays with the best of them. And so you look there and then you look at other places position-wise. Dow Loggins at tight ends coach. That's a former NFL offensive coordinator. I wanted to ask you, what is your take of of where Sam Pittman could take this team? It's really easy in, in particular as we sit here when we're recording in July of 2021 to drink the Kool-Aid. But where do you see, not necessarily the Razorbacks this year, but maybe moving forward as we move on in the Sam Pittman tenure? Yeah, I think Kendall Brown, Sam Pittman, Cody Kennedy, and others um, – I think it's an interesting dynamic. You know, the the funny thing is, is that, you know, people always ask what would happen if Lane Kiffin had a good offensive line at USC. And, you know, if you got a guy like Sam Pittman and Cody Kennedy, look, I'm, I'm a Cody Kennedy homer. I always will be. I mean, when you share a locker room with a guy, when you got connections with the guy. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think that, you know, I'm going to always even Brad Davis, you know, because, you know, Brad Davis being one of y'all's guys comes down here. But, look, here, here's the truth. If LSU didn't think Barry Odom was a good coach, they wouldn't have gone after him as a defensive coordinator. I think that we all understand that. Look, Barry Odom, Arkansas can say what they want, but from an LSU perspective, they were hot after Barry Odom. That should tell you what they what they thought about him uh, in this past offseason. I, look, I, I don't know. You know, I, I feel like, Sam Pittman needs to be like a Mark Stoops in a sense. Like if you can find the quarterback, then great, but you need to take those big offensive linemen, punch people in the mouth and make it a low scoring game and maybe get a turnover here and there. I think if, you know, we always remember, I always remember when you had the Darren McFadden's and and, and others, you were really physical at the point of attack. I think that that's what Sam Pittman has to build on. I think that if Sam Pittman can find a way to win seven games or even, God bless his soul, eight games, I think you can watch out because Arkansas is a place that I do feel like because of the resources, 
it could be a sleeping giant. Look, you you can go in North Louisiana, you can go into Texas. God forbid Texas, you know, comes into the SEC. How much does that open up Arkansas even more? I think that there's ways that Arkansas can do things, but there's one thing that they have to do. They have to be the team that they're not supposed to. You had Georgia on the ropes early last year. You had LSU on the ropes in the middle of the season. So you got to beat one of those teams. You know, the, the funny thing about this is when people talk about the SEC East, for example, and everybody talks about the LSU and Florida uh, the rivalry there because they play each other every year in a cross-divisional matchup. In LSU's worst year in 20 years, Florida still couldn't beat LSU. you got to find ways to beat teams when they're down, and you got to find ways to beat teams that you're not supposed to. I think Ed Orsron, for an example, the, the, the reason – yeah, fans were behind him when he got hired. The What sealed the deal for Ed is, yeah, he lost to Troy – but then the next week he beat Florida and the SEC East champion. And then the following season in 2018, yeah, they're building on their offense. And then they upset number two Georgia at the time at home. Sam Pittman's going to have to do that because the fanfare will run out. At some point, the fanfare is going to run out. I, I do have Arkansas fifth in the SEC West just because I think you could flip a coin and who's going to win the Auburn-Arkansas game. And I think that who's going to be four and five right there. Because or maybe maybe five and six because I'm forgetting A and M. Um, because in my SEC West, I have you have the LSU Alabama. I think it's going to be back to where it was. I actually had Kyle have Ole Miss at third. I think that they're extremely dangerous offensively. Look, they couldn't stop defensively. They can't stop anything if they had the, all the tissues that Costco provides on a daily basis. Okay, but what they can do is score. So I think that you're going to have to beat one of the top four teams in A&M being fourth. You're going to have to beat one of those teams to to get where you want to go. And it's a real big thing on recruiting. You know, when you beat Georgia when you're not supposed to, right, that sends a message to recruits, hey, you, you are the one piece that we need away from winning the SEC West, whether you believe it or not. And that goes a long way in recruiting. So I think that on the offensive side, they need to find a way to be physical and score a lot of points. Um I, that's the only thing. And I think that defensively, they just need to continue what they're doing. I think that Arkansas is a sneaky team that can that can upset a team that they're not supposed to. But at the end of the day, that's that's how I see them right now. They got to get better in recruiting. Uh, they got some big offensive linemen. Of course they do, but they got to get some skill. Look, you can have – I we talk about this all the time. You can um, – I'm big on offensive line play, playing it collegiately. Along, you know, you can have the best offensive line, but if you if you got a guy that you can't just throw the ball down the field to, like a Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, you're, it doesn't mean a lot. You got to be able to attack, and if you can't attack, you can't do that. So I think that they're good on both lines of scrimmage. Yeah, defensively, I know people are down on them, but when I watch film, they they play really physical. I thought um, so. That's what I think about Sam, and I, I think that he's you know look. What happens if he wins seven or eight games and he continues to build? I think that that's that, you know, like Mark Stoops at Kentucky right now, you that he's doing one hell of a job. I mean, what's the limit of Arkansas? But I do think that he's got more resources. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We've been talking with Blake Rafino from the Are You Serious Sports Network and the Are You Serious Sports podcast. And guys, if you haven't already, be sure and go check out what he's got going over there. Twitter and Facebook, you can find him. I was on his show, and I gotta say, it was one of the uh, I was I was adapted. I, I did make make it clear that I'm not a typical Arkansas fan that does hate LSU. <laughs> that is very true. I've never had a problem with them whatsoever, and I made that clear. And his uh, his listeners were very kind to me about that. I got some. It's actually the first time, Blake, that I've ever gotten DMs and and uh, also replies on Twitter for um, you know just a, a good segment and everything. That was a lot of fun, and so definitely have a lot of good things to say about your show and your listeners, and uh, you know definitely as we get into the, the season here i know you're going to continue to have plenty of good content but nonetheless man it's uh been great talking with you and i'm sure as the season gets closer which we're already pretty dang close but as it gets closer and during on we'll definitely be talking yeah i appreciate you having me on brother and and look uh um, i'll say this thank god you're not from alabama because the guy we brought on from alabama love him to death his name's kevin hagan uh they ripped that poor man to shreds and he's the sweetest most humble guy on the face of the planet, you know, like, and, and then I went on one of the Alabama shows last week during SEC media days. And one guy, you know, said something about, said something negative about me. I mean, look, just, uh, they loved you, but God forbid, just thank God you don't cover the university of Alabama. 
and those Rudy Poos. So. Well, like like you said, uh, it, with with us, with it being pretty much most most logical Razorback fans know that we are not even close to the level of LSU, and so I think that that definitely made it help help out a little more because I wasn't coming on there saying that oh we're going to get you guys for the boot this year and all this. So it's uh you know it happens, man. But definitely but you no. got us in you got us in baseball, so we don't have a lot to <laughs> talk about there. And look, LSU they love their baseball, man. I mean, yeah. look, I love I love it too. So, but I appreciate you having me on, brother. Definitely, man. Well, we sure appreciate you coming on. And guys, that'll do it for episode two hundred six. This show was presented to you by Bet Online. Again, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the show, rate and review. We will see you next week. Until then, take care, stay cool, and be safe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.